business and bourbon. I've got a VIP guest here, but you guys know what we do. This is not an interview show. This is a dialogue show. There is nothing off limits today, so this Whoa, should be good. Oh, nothing off limits. Love it. Yeah, here's what's clear. I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> We're socially distancing everywhere. Do you have the ability to get back up after you've been punched? And if you haven't been punched, then you're not setting your goals high enough. What about when you've been Chris Tuckered? When you've been knocked the F out? No, like, no, no, no. <laughs> right, so. Sales is an interesting world because one day you think you're going to make a million bucks and the next day you're pretty sure you're going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's this huge span of emotional changes. So admitting that I was a failure and it still chokes me up to Today. You know, I take a supplement called True Nigen NAD. I take something too. It's called Bourbon and Rye Weekly. <laughs> we are blessed to be around the greatest profession in the world where if you'll be smart, if you'll study it, if you'll treat it like a profession, you can change your life and your children's. No doubt. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. You know, it's been a couple of months since our last episode. We've all been quarantining. We've all been in our homes. And now some of our businesses, our bars and restaurants are starting to open back up. Now we're practicing our social distancing if we're smart, but getting back out there and starting to live our lives again. And I'm just so excited to bring you this episode that we have recorded back in our home at King and Duke in Buckhead at Atlanta. And, you know, we had some opportunity to continue to do this podcast in a virtual way, right? But that's not something that I was going to do. You see, I'm committed to giving you, the audience, the very best experience. And part of the business and bourbon experience is that feeling, that vibe, that magic that's created. When I sit down next to someone at the bar, we have a drink and we have a real talk. I'm staring in their eyes. They're sharing a little bit of vulnerability and you guys get to ride in the seat right next to us. That's something I certainly was not willing to compromise. That's not something we can do in Zoom. So with that said, guys, I'm really excited to bring Business and Bourbon back to you. We've got episodes that'll be popping out here week after week. But today's episode, I felt, was something that I really wanted to bring to you guys as a lot of you are still dealing with pandemic and will be for quite some time. Either maybe you've lost your job or you've had to downsize, you've had to lay people off. There's a lot going on out there and there's a lot of stress. So I wanted to bring someone on that's seen these things before. Yes, none of us have seen a pandemic, but I'm going to tell you what, if you're an entrepreneur, you have certainly seen bad times. Whether it is a pandemic or something else, it's all the same to us. And so I wanted to bring someone on that's actually been through it. On the other side, enjoying life, very successful, but came to that success through some really rough times in business. And so I wanted him to share how he got there. So I've got Ken Lundin on today. He's an expert salesman, expert sales trainer, and a very experienced entrepreneur with wisdom. So with that said, guys, I've been waiting for three months to tell you to grab your cup, grab your glass, grab your mug, grab whatever the heck it is that you like to drink out of, because it's time. Oh yeah, it's time for your very favorite beverage into that bad boy. Sit down next to us and enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. And I got to tell you guys, this is probably 
the most excited I've been since episode one. Just coming out of this quarantine and man, just to have the opportunity to get back at the King and Duke in lovely Buckhead, Atlanta. And again, if you guys have not been to the King and Duke, you're missing out. Anytime you get to Atlanta, come to King and Duke. Tell them Ronell sent you. But anyway, I'm here. It looks a little bit different because they've moved things around. We're socially distancing everywhere, being responsible. So thank you, King and Duke. Very safe in here. But man, just so excited to get back to some of the things that I used to do, right? You know, getting out into the city, really enjoying a great cocktail, enjoying the energy that comes with the city. So it's coming back. And I am so, so, so excited. So, yeah, very excited to bring this episode. I'm sorry, guys, it took so long, but you know how we do. I mean, it has to be in person, live, face-to-face. That is how we do business in bourbon. That's what you've come to expect. And I would absolutely never cheat you guys, the audience. I want you to get that real experience. I want you to feel like you're sitting right here next to us. So it had to be here at the King & Duke. Had to be here face-to-face, and now we are back, baby. We are back, and I am excited. And you know, what makes me even a little bit more excited about this is that I've got a VIP guest here, (laughs) but you guys know what we do. Um, This is not an interview show. This is a dialogue show. This is a conversation show, and I have wanted to have this gentleman on for a long-ass time, and it hasn't worked out. I wanted to have him on because he's just one of the realest guys that I know. He's been there. He's done that. He's seen it. And like myself, he has seen his share of failures, but yet he continues to land on his feet and succeed. And this dude is a personal inspiration to me. So, Jesus Christ, I just built you up, brother. I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're going to live up to that. Yeah, here's what's clear. I'm the man. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, I want to introduce my friend, Ken Lundin. Hey, what is going on? I could not be more excited to be here. You know, right now we've been talking about this, whether it's on the boat or in Minneapolis or mm-hmm. many of the things that you and I have been able to do together. So, man, I am just I am fired up and uh, there is nothing off limits today. So this Whoa, should be good. nothing off limits. Love it. Yeah, Love yeah, it. Yeah. My That's another reason why I wanted you on. Those are my favorite type of guests <laughs> no, because, you know, we give them straight to the gut here. Yeah. Like there, there's never going to be any. You guys know there's not going to be any BS. And if people are uncomfortable talking about the uncomfortable, well, go do somebody else's show. There's plenty of them. There's 700,000 podcasts out there, and all of them want to interview celebrities that are just sharing nothing that really matters. Here, we want to share what's going to help you. It's always about the audience, always will be. That's how I roll. So with that said, Ken. See, and now I'm getting comfortable. If you uh-uh. guys, for those of you guys that are watching this on video, you'll see now I'm kind of kicked back. I pulled the <laughs> microphone out in my Ronnell Relax mode. So, Ken, tell the audience who you are. Tell them a little bit about your business, and we'll get that stuff out the way. Get it out of the way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm founder of Ken Lundin Associates. Ronnell, we've had a lot of time to work together. We've done trainings together. We've been in front of businesses. We've advised business leaders. So we've done all of those, all of those sort of things. We're a company that goes out and helps companies accelerate revenue. And so that's just a bunch of ways we do that from new products and services we've just launched to kind of the traditional ways. You know, I just had one of the companies that uh, I started with three years ago. They were on the verge of bankruptcy and they just signed a deal and sold it for, you know, tens of millions of dollars uh, just this last week. 
So yeah, we've had some good success with yeah, our how clients. Many, how many share? Did you have some? Share, <laughs> did you get some equity or? Well, what? you know, there was the there was the commissionable component of the uh, comp, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> next time we got to work that in, my friend. <laughs> get that equity next time. <laughs> yeah, that's no, awesome good. though. Yeah, yeah, those are the stories that get us geeked up. I yeah. mean, you like myself. I guess we're, we're what people would call serial entrepreneurs. I don't know. I've never really dug that term. No. What about you? First of all, serial reminds me of serial killer. So I don't know that I want that in front of the in front of a is something that describes me. But um, no, I think you know at the end of the day, what does this come down to? And it's whether you have your own business or whether or not you're in a business. It's just about do you have the ability to get back up after you've been punched? And if you haven't been punched, then you're not setting your goals high enough. And so I think the best way to probably kind of talk about it is kings want to talk to kings and that's where i want to fly so that's what we'll keep doing we'll keep reaching high i love that dude and what i really like about you is that one of the many things but you know you said get punched right yeah well what about when you've been chris tuckered when you've been knocked the f out yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so yeah. like hey that happens it happens yeah. in business and how do we deal with it how do we recover it's something that when we put ourselves out there First of all, it takes a tremendous amount of courage. And if you're risking to create something great, to make something great, well, the flip side is, yeah, you can crap out too. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, it is business and bourbon, my friends. And guys, don't think I forgot. I know how we do. We got to start with their drinks. What are you drinking? I have no idea. You have. (laughs) (laughs) You should tell me. That's it's not off limits, but I look like an idiot. So So, so, (laughs) bartender's choice. So I so here's the thing I've done that many times <laughs> because we have such fantastic bartenders here at King and Duke. So I'll just say, hey, make me something, yeah. something dope, and they'll make it, and I'll get on air like now, and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know, but it tastes really good. <laughs> me, I decided to go with the classic King and Duke old fashioned, which is different than the typical old fashioned. They do some fun stuff with it. Getting back out, getting back in the business community, yeah. getting back here to K&D, this is just something that to just make me feel like things are more normal than they are. So let's yeah. clink this bad boy up. Ah, that's a nice clink. Yeah. All right, let's take a look. I've done sip. this once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> We're both old sales guys, so yeah, we've got some experience in. Yeah, wasn't it? You remember the old sales meetings? I don't know if you did this. I'm sure you did because it was every sales force I was at back when we were young. The national sales meeting. Uh-huh. And really what it was, was just kind of a culling of the herd because you had to be able to prove to people that you could go out till 3 a.m. and still make the eight o'clock call in the big auditorium with everybody else and not look like you had been drinking all night. <laughs> so first of all, has that ever changed? Well, I mean, now I, I feel like the new salespeople coming up are going to miss that kind of that rite of passage, so to speak. Listen, brother, I don't think it's changed that much. Like, really, like, you know, it's these conventions, these corporate retreats, whatever, you know, although Mm -hmm. this the national sales meetings or sales conferences are usually an opportunity for you to get together with all your buddies, go out, have drinks and yeah, usually get up too late, miss the first couple of sessions. (laughs) I have been there a few times. (laughs) So, hey, um, let's kind of hop into some stuff. Yeah. Um, So our audience is kind of. I mean, it's all over the place in terms of level of experience, but we have a lot of salespeople. Sure. We have a lot of entrepreneurs. That's just kind of, that's the MO for business and bourbon or people that are interested in entrepreneurship. But I know that you share philosophies and sales that I share. First of all, everything is sales. Would, yeah. you, would you agree? 
<laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it, it here's the difference, right? And so let's just cut to the chase, right? You're either trying to have influence in a conversation or you're trying to be right. And if you're trying to have influence, that's sales. And if you're trying to be right, it's because you don't want to have any friends. So, <laughs> you know, so yeah, everything's some form of sales. I mean, sales is just, it's mastering the art of communication. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything ranks right there. Mastering the art of communication. I noticed you didn't say learning how to trick people. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I uh, I hate when people have the perception that great salesmanship is somehow trickery. Yeah. It's like you said, it's the art of learning great communication. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about sure. kind of your business career. Bring us up to speed. Yeah, and I'll do the quick rundown because now that I'm getting older, it takes longer. <laughs> and, and I think a little bit slower. So, so you look a day over 29. We're <laughs> Perfect. But I'll keep going back. Let's go. Yeah, you keep saying nice things. So, yeah, just sales guy out of the get, right? Liz, perennial underperformer in college, graduated that fantastic solid 2.7, maybe, you know? Yeah. 2.7. <laughs> yeah, maybe. How much did that matter when you got out into uh, the it was, real world? it was more irrelevant because I actually got hired at a stock brokerage and all they wanted to know was how many cold calls that I made for Merrill Lynch while I was in college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of that always been in sales, gone that route. I was part of an Inc. 500 management team four years in a row where we grew a company from two to 80 million. You know, then moved around. I'm kind of a mutt, you know, an industry mutt, so to speak, which is not what people look for today, but it's really, really helped me in my career. You know, been a senior VP, been a chief sales officer, all that kind of stuff. So just kind of there, but I got punched in the face. You know, I've been an entrepreneur and 2006, I bought my first business in 2011, I filed bankruptcy, you know, so I kid often with my clients, especially when I'm talking to salespeople, right? And I kid often with them and I say, you know, sales is an interesting world because one day you think you're going to make a million bucks and the next day you're pretty sure you're going to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's this huge span of emotional changes. So yeah, been through it all and you know, continue to, even in my consulting career for the last three years, I even feel as a fractional kind of chief sales officer where I'm still talking to companies like Uber and companies like that and helping to sell deals. And so I think it keeps me sharp because it lets me test, you know, all the stuff that's out there because there's too many, I guess I'll get on my soapbox. There's too many helicopter sales trainers, man. There's too many people who fly in, don't care about whether or not people are successful. They give you a training, you leave and, you know, you retain about six seconds of what they actually gave you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I've really enjoyed over the last few years, that ability to continue to go, hey, you know what, right now, this thing we're talking about, I screwed it up last week. Yeah. Here's how I fixed it. Mm-hmm. Right. And to actually have some real impact because it's about changing lives, man. This is what we do is about we are blessed to be around the greatest profession in the world where if you'll be smart, if you'll study it, if you'll treat it like a profession, which is a whole nother rant of mine. You can change your income and you can change your life and your children's. No doubt. No doubt. I think it's the most noble profession in the whole world. Am I biased? Yep, but it's true. Yeah. Just because I'm it's biased irrele- don't mean that's <laughs> yeah. not true. It's irrelevant if you're biased, if it's true. Absolutely. So I want to know a little bit more about you started your company in 2006. And it goes without saying, you guys yeah. know when people are on the show, they've experienced a lot of success. And that's not what we really care so much about. So, yes, Ken's a successful guy. He's built a successful consulting business. But I want to talk about what that was like for you yeah. in 2011. So in 2006, start yeah. this company. Yeah, um, when I actually bought a business. So that Inc. 500 company that I was a part of the management team was a franchise model. And so I bought the Atlanta location, moved out here, took it over essentially. So, you know, I'm, I've got SBA loans and all the good stuff that comes with it. Going through that process, tripled sales in 18 months. You know, I was a sales guy and I had tripled sales. And you're like, oh, awesome. 
Well, that sucks when you don't realize that, you know, all your, you know, when you talk about your principal payments coming off of your balance sheet, not realizing why all that money's not going to your net income. And so you go to this process where we, and then growing the company and taking on fixed overhead. 2008, 2009 hit. And it was interesting because when I look back, I didn't see revenue decrease. And so you're like, huh. And I was selling a highly discretionary income thing. I mean, we were doing garage remodels, man. So like, and I'm talking about not cheap ones. I'm talking, they went anywhere from 4,000 to 50. And I'm like, holy cow, we're kind of insulated somehow. I don't, maybe because the people who buy our stuff have money. And then when I look back and see the data, all the smart money had stopped spending with me. So I was doing the same revenue, but I was doing a lot of little jobs. Yeah. And so you look backwards and you kind of see, oh, the smart money. And then was just, you know, we just got to this place. And then emotionally, you and I have talked about this and it still chokes me up today. That process of going through that, admitting that I was a failure. And everyone's like, oh, no, the economy. Oh, no. I've still got great friends that are doing what I was doing that I put in the business 10 years, or I guess 2006, 2007. Yeah. So it's, holy cow, 15 years ago, they're still doing the same thing. So no, for me, it was a complete failure because we all want to think we're the smartest guy in the room, you know? So I went through that process and finally it was just the right business decision to make, but emotionally scarred me for years after that. It probably took me two years after the bankruptcy before I was actually like the Ken from five or 10 years before, you know, being able to talk to people and communicate and so forth. And so you know, God, when I came out of that bankruptcy, I had to go take a mid-level sales job. I was running essentially an $80 million company before I bought my company. And then I had to go take a mid-tier sales job. Took a mid-tier sales job, was was with Insperity, which just can't thank enough for just the impact that they had on my life, resetting the way I see the world. And then took, you know, got set. And then here's the awesome part about it. I mean, all that stuff sucks. But the awesome part about it is sales skills do come back. Yeah. It's muscle memory, baby. And so I went we mid-level sales thing, then took a VP job and then took an SVP job in 12 months. So you can get out of the blocks, but it was a pretty hard time. Marriage was in trouble. I thought I insulated my kids from it. And honestly, we're in church one day and my daughter was getting baptized and they do these nice videos. It's one of Andy Stanley's churches and they do these nice videos and they talk about the stuff. And um, I can still see the video. Like I'm sitting in church like yesterday and she goes in the video in front of God and everybody, as they say, mm -hmm. she goes, and then we, and then we lost our house and that was the start of the end. Mm -hmm. You know, and we lost, we, hell, uh, we were trying to negotiate. That was that whole thing with the banks where you could negotiate. You had to miss 90 days of payments before they'd let you renegotiate your loan. It was the first week of December. I got a knock on my door um, and the bank had not notified me. They'd put my house on auction. Wow. First week of December, lost my house, had to be out by the new year. Woo. Came out the other side, but... Yeah, it was emotionally traumatizing. So what was that process like? What helped you to get through that experience? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing probably helped me was getting back to focusing on the things I can control. And that's kind of a staple within my life for most of it. You've seen that in just the way I talk to people today, right? You know, I have this thing called the three foot rule. And if it's not in the three feet radius around my body and I can't actively control it, then I don't put emotional energy into it. Yeah. So one was I started to, to work on controlling the things I could control. And two, people got to get out of their own way and get the blinders off. I had to get the blinders off that I had a freaking problem. And my problem was I, it, I had been going through such a bad down spell on that journey emotionally that I was one difficult son of a gun to actually talk to and deal with. Mm -hmm. So it's like take the blinders off, focus on the things that I can control 
And then from there, it was also lean. The third thing I would say, the third leg of that stool was to lean back into the things I was really, really good at. Mm -hmm. That's where selling helped because I could take control of my life because I could do the thing I'd always done, which is I was always great at finding out what Ron L needs and figuring out whether or not I'm uniquely qualified to solve it. So that gave me the path to get out of that emotional nightmare that I've been in for years. So obviously there's this scar tissue, there's some trauma built up from that. So, you know, what made you decide to go back out and create your consulting firm? Oh yeah. What a great question because I can think about the moment. There's two things. One of them from the lessons that I learned. So as an example, I went to a couple of Vistage groups, which is a CEO group and did a talk on, I called it my $737,000 MBA. (laughs) <laughs> because when I did the numbers on the last year in business, even though I had filed bankruptcy and the first year I was running it at a rate of $700,000 more profitable over the course of the five years that I've been doing everything I was doing in year five, I'd be fine. Right. And so I called that my real world MBA. Mm-hmm. So first thing was like I had, at that time I had discussions with my now ex-wife and she said, well, you don't want to own a business again. I said, well, yeah, I do. It's a really expensive lesson not to apply. Wow. Right? Hold on. Pause <laughs> on that. Say that again. Yeah. So that'd be a really expensive lesson not to apply. How about that? Wow. So I've never really heard it put that way, you know, and I think that's something for a lot of people to pick up on and learn from that have been through because, you know, we've seen the statistics. Most of you that have started businesses have closed those businesses and closed them pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you learned something through it. So did you take that experience and allow it to create greater fear or yeah. to your point, learn from that experience and apply that yeah. that new IP that you gained from it. I love that. Yeah, I think my clients now, one of the phrases, and my clients will even tell you this now, but a lot of our clients say they pay me to see around corners. Because mm. I you know I know what it's like to do that. I know what it's like to get beat up and I can, you know, and so I'm going to inherently look for some of those risks. Um, so that was kind of the first thing. And, you know, the second thing was, eh, the easy answer, I was ready. The easy answers I was ready and it was a lesson I was ready to go out and do. And I felt like I could, I think as a business owner, you do it, you're doing it with this podcast and about the 774,000 other things you're doing. Because <laughs> yeah. I 746,000. Oh, my fault. I exaggerated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I think what I crave to make a bigger impact in this world. Right. And working for an individual company as opposed to going out on my own consulting. I'm building a team. I built a team around that. You know, I want to make an impact, man. And the best way that I can do that is by spreading that knowledge and spreading those lessons I've learned over a multitude of clients. Nice. So let's take a quick departure because this is a fun show. Yep. And that was some fantastic information. I love that. And I think a lot of people can get some tremendous benefit from it. But they also like to hear, want to know a little bit more about Ken, the person. Yeah. One of the questions that's fun for me because I'm a music guy. Yeah. In particular, I, well, I have a very diversified taste in terms of music, but yeah, I'm kind of a hip hop head too. But I always like to ask people yeah. about their musical taste. Now, typically, I ask about their favorite hip hop artists. I will start there. <laughs> Do you have a favorite hip hop artist? Nobody knew because I'm an old white guy, well, right? And in this time, you're not I... that damn old. But <laughs> right. You keep saying that, man. You're aging yourself. Uh, so, first of all, I've been in the gym with you, dude. I see you <laughs> out working 22 year olds, man, kicking their ass. Yeah, yeah. So it's mostly old school. So I drop back to I drop back to old school rap. I drop back to the two, I drop back to Tupac and yeah. Eminem, and you know, and um, 
lately been getting a little bit into Drake and Future, but the the Future, but um, yeah, that's the hip hop side of it. But I am that you know, if you look at me in the if you look at me in the gym with the AirPods on, there's an eighty seven percent chance that I've got like some nineties rap on it going yeah. on in my brain. So yes, okay. So your favorite. Is that your favorite genre of music, or what's your favorite genre? If not, um, I probably probably default to country. I mean, it's that's oh, right. You up. just man, you I just know. lost your street cred with me. Well, no, but here's the good news, right? I've literally listened to everything. It's the same way I drink. This guy asked he asked me what he wanted to make, and he goes, "What do you like?" And I go, "Well, whiskey, bourbon, vodka, wine, um, whatever." Like <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you do that in person. So, okay. I would say you lost your street cred with me a little bit because, you know, I have very diversified taste. You know, I've listened to lots of different types of music, yep. styles of music. Country, I have a problem with. If it is not Johnny Cash. Oh, my goodness. The man in black. I've got a Johnny Cash shirt. Does that help give me some credit back? It does because he's a ba- he was a badass, yeah, man. Yeah. Like the out man. Badass. So Yeah, I know. It's good. You're down... With Johnny Cash, if you, I, if you, I don't know, I got some some hip hop heads that are listening to this, some alternative folks, some rock folks, whatever. Johnny Cash is he's one of those badasses of of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even music of life. There are certain people you go past, you know, the last I don't know, 50, 60 years, and there's just certain people that are just cool. Denzel Washington, just cool. Ooh, yeah, 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 cool. Uh, Johnny Cash, yeah. Steve McQueen, guys like that. Just except those uh, Steve McQueen, I don't even know why he was cool, but he was cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't the best looking guy. No, he was no, he's no, just no. cool. You know? no, 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 but yeah, no, it's uh, I get it. Yeah, and I think I agree with you, Denzel. I'm trying to think of who else. You know, it's there's there's some other ones the out. Cool there. guys right now. Who am I a bit partial to? So there's two guys I think right now I'm a bit partial to is just being like, man, I want to be like them. <laughs> and that would be um, Idris Elba and Brad Pitt. Yeah, 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 I think Brad Pitt's just, I mean, those guys are just like effortlessly cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just yeah. show up and they're like, you know, the guy, the quintessential guy that yeah. every woman digs and every man wants to be. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, I want to be Ron L. Richards. So. Well, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> I have certainly heard that a lot. <laughs> and I want to be Ken Lundin. At least in the gym. This guy's a monster. <laughs> Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, because yeah. for both of us, yeah. fitness is a very important part of what we do. Yeah. Can you tell me, you know, what it means to you as it relates to your life, your yeah. business, how it impacts? Yeah, one word discipline, right? Here's the problem. Right? You and I compete with a lot of guys who may have sold something or may have sold nothing, may have been successful or may not have been successful at all. Yeah. All they had to, you know, they can go to Alpha Graphics or print their card. Usually not, for yeah. the record. Yeah. Usually not. Yeah, they can print their business card online. Calling all out. Yeah, yeah. And then they and then they say they're a sales consultant. And then they fly in, they or give a, a coach. Yeah, they fly in, they give a training, they do the thing. And so the thing for me is discipline because ultimately the most successful, the elite of the elite, look across anything you want in life. They all have discipline to do the thing. Right. And that is the that is what it is for me, like the discipline of the fitness, because it's actually not being in the gym. That's the hard part. It's the other 23 hours a day when I can stuff my face with other stuff. You know, it's the 23 hours a day that I'm not paying attention to what that means for my life, because I can tell you that if you take that to the rest of my life, when I'm disciplined in my life, fantastic things happen when I'm a little off. I'm just kind of coasting. And so for me, the thing about the fitness level of this and always pushing and challenging myself is the exact same thing when I talk to leaders and that's business owners and et cetera. It's like, 
look, you got to have the discipline to continue to push yourself. Where does that come from for you? Which part? The whole, the discipline and being able to execute on discipline, because, you know, I often say on the day drinking podcast, and I don't often say, I say it every damn time, <laughs> that the difference in being successful is not these major actions. It's just executing with consistency and discipline. So for you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, the discipline is super hard for people. So for you, where the hell does that come from? Is it something that you had to build and create or did you just always have it? No, no. I've had ADD undiagnosed. So it could be ADHD or something, right? I have to stay focused and do it. And it takes work and I have to work at it. And the thing is, it's just kind of my why, you know, I am disciplined because of the larger goals that I have in my life. And I will not leave it up to chance that they will come to me. I am going to put the work in to do it. I can tell you right now, I've got a good friend of mine who used to work for me at a company and then I put him at another company was the number one salesperson at my company. I put him in another company after I became a consultant and he became the number one salesperson there. And the number one thing we would have showed, is he a little better in the room than some people? Yeah. Can he hold a conversation a little better? Yeah. Does he understand the product a little better? Maybe. But you know what he does? He freaking shows up and does the damn work every day. He does the visits. He talks to the people. It's just the discipline to go do the thing. And it's that idea, right? Perfect's the enemy of great, right? And that's a big deal. Everybody's waiting for the perfect thing to happen. And that's just a bunch of BS, to be honest. That's done is better than perfect. It's one of my favorite quotes from Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Done is better than perfect. You know, just take action. Have a bias for action. Steal that quote from I don't know. Where did he steal from? Mark Zuckerberg burned. He probably stole it from somebody, didn't he? Where did he steal from? Yeah, he stole Facebook from somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah, I get it. Okay, I get it. Never mind. Now I'm with you. See, I'm not that bright. I was actually going, I thought you had a name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so it's, that's the idea. I don't know. It's You got to work. It's literally you have to work and you have to care. And it's not about hustle. It's about doing the right thing. So translating that to the rest of your business and life because that's i think again going back to the basic concept that this discipline and consistency is required to be successful is that the foundation of your discipline like that you're carrying on to everything else does it start with your fitness or did it start yeah no it starts it starts with the fitness i heard tony robbins say it once right the body follows the mind and the mind follows the body so I choose whatever in, Tony Robbins say you should listen because he's got a big ass head. Yeah. That must have a big brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but Tony I, Robbins burn. I'm sorry, you're man. All I'm, over just, it. <laughs> I'm giving them get well, see, I'm setting them up so you can knock them down. Yes, that's, you are. that's why it's a good hey, team. I appreciate that. Well, I've been reading a book by Jocko. Sure. Jocko yeah. Wilkins. Yes. Everyone loves Jocko. But you know, I've so I've got a couple of his books, been reading one of his books where he talks a lot about discipline. But I know, and you know, because you know I'm a practitioner of fitness as well. That for me, it goes way beyond just like not to minimize discipline because right. that's super yeah. important. But there are other reasons that I do it now where if it's about my performance and business. Can you tell me a little bit about you and yeah. how your fitness routine, the things that you do to yeah. make sure that you can perform at a high level in business? Well, I didn't answer the question very well before. So let me answer the question better this way. What it really does for me is it's a parallel to business in the idea that it's about my performance and that I can measure it, right? And if you can't measure something, then you can't change it. You can't improve it because you never know where you were or where you're going. And so in my case, when you talk about kind of how those two work and synergistically, when you start to talk about fitness and discipline, my performance in the room with people 
mentally, being sharp, all those things are the direct byproduct of the ability to have the yeah. discipline to do the thing. And so the performance is directly impacted by it. Like literally there's sometimes I have some people will look at me and they'll go, you didn't work out today, did you? Cause it's taken me a second to kind of catch up. Yeah. You know, but for me, it's, it's, I think that's probably the better parallel is that I'm a big believer that we test and measure and we test and we measure. And so that transcends whether it's fitness, whether it's business, whatever it is. And then I agree that it helps significantly with cognitive ability. Yeah. I want you to share some of the other stuff that you do because I know you're really big into anti-aging and yeah. you're, you're big into fitness at the cellular level. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this stuff is important yeah. for all of us as you know we start to age because we start to change how we view performance. Yeah. Like for me, yeah. I want to be as sharp as possible right. for this audience. I want to make sure that when it's time for me to sit down with one of my clients and have a consulting session or teach a group of sellers that I'm the best that I can possibly be. Yeah. And so I know that you're a practitioner of, again, of you know supplements and stuff like that to help you to be yeah. more, just to be the best version of yourself. Can you speak to that sure. a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who are experts on this. I'm just, I'm practicing and I'm following these guys too, but the basic premise. You're not an expert? Well, oh, you guys shut the hell yeah. up then. No, we're no. not. Because we only have experts on yeah, this. But I got a, but I got opinions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what we want. We want strong opinions. All we right. got, a, we got opinions and consult a physician or something. There's a. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll go ahead and put that out put there. The disclaimer. Consult now I can talk. Your physician and don't we cannot be held liable for any of the shit. What do you got to say? All right. So here's the gig. So yeah, when people ask me, um, when people ask me, so go to the fitness why, right? There's other things with that. When they ask me, like, first of all, they go, why do you do what you, why do you do what you do in the gym? I have two reasons. I want my girlfriend to want to see me naked. <laughs> okay, so that's probably reason number one. <laughs> and number two is that I want to live every single day on this earth to the fullest ability I can. And I will not accept the answer that I'm just simply getting old and that's okay. Yeah. Because I think that's just crap because there's too many things you can do. And so, yeah, so I follow it's from an anti-aging perspective. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's these things called blue zones throughout the world, which is where the populations that live incredibly long. And so when you look at most of those blue zones, as an example, and this will tie into the cellular component, um, they have some form of fasting in their religions and cultures because longer extended fasts actually help get rid of kind of the get rid of things at the cellular level and they get rid of the waste. And so they actually can live longer. You know, and it's things about how can we get to the cellular level or the mitochondrial level in order to kind of really do it. Like we can lose weight and we can lose vis visceral fat and, you know, we can look skinny and we can do all the other stuff. But if you're rotting from the inside out, just like a bad apple, it's not going to matter. And so, yeah, I really follow. So like, you know, there's Ben Greenfield's out there. Dave Asprey's out there. I follow some of these guys. You know, Dave Asprey has a stated goal of wanting to live to like 125 or something. Um, no, thanks. Yeah. Well, hey, it depends, <laughs> but it depends on how you're living it, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Dude, after a hundred, like, I don't care if you're living you're a, a good hundred, a good hundred is pretty shitty. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Well, but that's in the current state. But what if you could live, what if you could be, let's take it to the other level, right? Yeah. What if you could be physically the exact fitness, physically and cognitively the exact same way you are now at a hundred, then are you in? Absolutely. Right. That's kind of the premise behind all the anti-aging stuff. It's like, you know, I'm just trying to like with what I do, I want to be as sharp as possible. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I take um, a supplement called True Nigen NAD, which is supposed to help with the, with that at the cell the cellular level as well. I'll probably do some NAD plus um, IVs, but there's stuff like that that's out there that really, really has showed good results. So what's your take on, because um, I take something too, it's called bourbon and rye weekly, <laughs> and I've been told that that, yeah. it's, is that part of... Well, I've been told reservatol is really good for you too. So you that's know, why you drink all that damn That's why I drink wine. all that red wine. <laughs> all right. All right. I love my spirits so much. I have a hard time moving to the red wine, but maybe a little more red wine will do me some good. Well, I mean, worst case scenario, you can have it after the spirits and you can just tell your wife that you're trying to live longer for her. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, hey, man, one of the things I wanted to touch on, too, because you are a Ph.D. in sales. And so I want to make sure that we help our audience that is kind of challenged with the sales piece, which I find with so many of my entrepreneurs Thanks, guys, because that keeps me employed. But uh, <laughs> what I see, by and large, is that a lot of our entrepreneurs, they're fantastic at what it is they do. Sure. They're great accountants. They're great chiropractors. They're great doctors, whatever it is. And they've built good businesses yeah. because of referral quality work, right? They're yeah. awesome with that. But what happens is when they want to scale, they have a hard time scaling because sure. they don't know how to sell. Um, what it is that they do. So having a PhD in salesmanship, I wondered if you could give us some basic sales philosophy that maybe that you teach yeah. your clients that can help anyone out there that's like, listen, I need to be better at selling my business. Yeah, that's, yeah, of course, that's awesome. We just, so and you and I talked about, it, we just launched this thing called the Sales Alpha Roadmap. So I'll give you some stuff from that, right? The Sales Alpha Roadmap is, exactly for it's how do I go find more clients to sell them more stuff right and so there's you know kind of nine thousand and nine steps that we do in this process but I'll give you a couple that are just uh, to kind of nine thousand and nine bro, nine bro are you trying to sell this damn thing nine steps okay nine steps all right there's uh <laughs> so here's the thing so here's the so there's a few things one is one of the top problems I see they're experts at their technical thing they're great at building software whatever it is right so one of the problems I see is that they only they say they've got like the persona or the target market narrowed down. What I find is they typically have 80% of that work done, right? And it's the back 20% where the money is, right? Where people will beat down your door. And so one of the ways I'll just get like tips they can use this is actionable today. So you could go and literally if you want to know how to communicate better with your clients, let's tighten up the persona right now and do find three problems. What's an emotional problem that they're experiencing today that you can help with? With something going on, frustrating them today, they're having problems managing people, whatever it is. First, that's for the prospect. Second, if they solve the emotional problem, what's the business problem? And then if they were able to solve the emotional and the business problem, what's the intuitive or unknown problem that they're not trying to solve that would still exist? Like narrow that in, put that in how you talk to people. Yeah. And you'll crush. And so there's, you know, there's so one, it's kind of do the persona work, so to speak. I think the other way is that, you know, one of the things that is the biggest mistakes if you're talking about prospecting is the way people go about it. Because guess what, Ronnell? I don't want to bug you. So I'm going to call or email you once a month. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Preach. So, Preach, my friend. Yeah, there's actually statistics on it that like and, and some of sales off a good partner. And there's statistics on it where bursting, like grouping activities around a two day period. So like, and when we kick off lead gen campaigns, 
We have four act four outreach activities that happen in two days. Yes. Right. And so oh, no, no, no. Stop, Ken. You can't do that. Yeah. Hey, listen, don't start out trying to sell me. <laughs> How many times have you seen that sort yeah. of thing on LinkedIn or yeah, social media? A bunch. It's just silly. So yeah, so I think that's the other thing, right? That and then always be other centered. So the biggest thing, if you want just a big takeaway message that can go across everything that you do, if you want to have a more successful, scalable business, you have to put the prospects interests first, right? So literally it comes down to something very, very simple and clean. Yes and no are great. Maybe sucks, right? I don't care if you're a great fit. Yep. Let's talk. If you're not a fit, great. Go away. Yep. Maybe it's horrible. So that's first. And it all comes down to this question. And the question goes like this. Do you have a problem right now that I am uniquely qualified to solve? If so, giddy up. If not, we're out. There you go. So, you know, but it's about getting your problem, which to that point you made a couple of minutes ago. So why you can do like burst campaigns like that. Like, you know, what I see a lot is from people that aren't successful sellers. Yeah. Okay. Don't sell. Don't pitch at the first. No, I mean, part of what we do. And and, and let me clarify yeah. this. There are so many different ways of selling. There's different strategies for selling rather. Um, and that's one of the things that frustrates me the most is I when anyone says, oh, don't do this type of selling or don't do that's bullshit. You know, it really comes down to what you're selling, not just what you're selling, what it is that you're trying to accomplish with that initial outreach. Because sometimes, like, I've sold products in the past or have my people selling products that were totally transactional. Yeah. They were just like, hey, I'm 10 bucks, you're paying 15 bucks. That's not a solution. I'm not going to go in and spend a whole bunch of time. and turn. No, it's like, hey, look, I'm 10 bucks, you're 15 bucks. <laughs> Do you want to buy? Then I want to get all of the non-buyers out of the way to get to the buyers, right? Yeah. And so, you know, again, back to your point, I think that what I push against a lot in, you know, as I look on social media and beyond with all the coaches, yeah. um, which some I respect tremendously. Sure. Most I do not because <laughs> they haven't done the things that They've you done and the work. I have. Yes, that you and I have done. There's so many ways to be successful in sales. The one thing that I say, Ken, is that, your strategies and execution change it's just the philosophy that never changes right yeah. and that's what i think you were just talking about like your philosophy yeah. you're true to your philosophy but yeah. how you execute strategies better change yeah it's got to change some and here's the thing so let's change let's i'm going to change the language and see if you'll come with me yeah let's okay go. so i am a firm believer that you're selling every time you reach out to a prospect the difference is what you're selling because the sales process builds on itself and it's a sales journey that's cumulative. What it meaning this in the very first call, let's say I'm a software company. I'm not selling my software. I'm selling the value of the, uh, the next appointment, mm -hmm. right? And throughout the sales process, what is the purpose that I'm trying to sell in that moment? Yep. And that's Thank where they you. screw it up, right? They're Preach. trying to sell the thing. Preach. I want to sell my product in meeting one. Yes. And that's not it. It's what is the purpose or the intent of this? Yes. Which in that first initial call, the purpose and intent is to get an appointment. Yeah. To sell <laughs> the meeting. Not, yes. To sell the meeting, not to sell your widget and do all that sort of yeah. thing. No. Once you have that audience, then just be awesome at doing proper discovery. Yeah. Right? So you can really set yourself up to... to produce a solution that's going to knock it out of the park and it's into where you're going to win. Yeah. And use frameworks for that stuff, right? Like we use something called the perfect discovery call, right? And make sure that your teams know what those look like. Because right? otherwise they'll shit the bed. 100%. They'll show up and they'll talk too damn much. Yep. 100%. Not, not ask the right questions, not ask enough questions yep. and run their mouth. 
and yeah. talk too much yeah. about their widget yeah. instead of finding out what matters the most to them. Oh, yeah. So let's client. talk about demos. Okay. Let's talk about appointments. You're going to cut this thing up. So you, I'm going to give you 427 hours worth of stuff. I don't ever exaggerate as you noticed, right? But let's talk about demos. How often does a demo start with the, the, them displaying the company's accolades? Hey, we were on this hundred list and this hundred list. You know what? I'm a prospect. I only care about me. And neuro-linguistic oh programming says, give me the stuff that matters first and the stuff yes. that matters last because those are the only two times I'm going to remember in the presentation. Yes. That's right. So you want to get back. So that's like things like Can that. Can we agree that demos are 90% shit? They're canned no. and it's the same thing like – the current process of doing demos is wrong. Okay. What I mean by that is it, should, it has to start with, hey, let's have a conversation, Mr. Customer, so I can find out what the hell matters to you yeah. so that when I'm delivering that demo, that demo is tailored to what it is that you want and care about, yeah. not just some canned bullshit that you may not even care about. Yeah. You know, 10% of it matters to you. If only 10% matters to me, that means 90% of the time I was tuned out, which means you're probably not going to get my and You know what it means too? What? Price compression. Mm. Right? It means that your price is going to be pushed down because you can't extract, you can't show them the real value. So every company I've gone into, so I had a, um, I had a client for two years that I worked with right here across the street from, uh, from King and Duke. And um, I went into them and I said, here's the deal. After you pay me, your margins will be higher because I was chief sales officer for them. And they were like, there's no way. We're in a competitive market. Pricing's being pushed down, blah, 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 blah. But when you put the process in place to find out what the prospect really, really values, you can absolutely escalate prices every single time. Every company has room to move their prices up if you lean into how to be better for your customers. Oh, can I love that? Because here's what I see. So when someone tells me, one of my clients tells me, oh, they're in a competitive market. I love that shit. Yeah. I love competitive markets. Here's who's, why. Who's not? Exactly. For one, <laughs> who's not? But I love it because companies and people are lemmings. Yeah. And they largely follow the same bullshit stuff, right? And so when you get into a competitive market, you're always going to have your folks. Most people are focused on selling price. They're driving down price. They're driving down price. Yeah. They're focused on selling price and not solution. Yeah. And there's always a large segment of the market or big enough segment of the market that's willing to pay for the quality and the solution. Yeah. So when you change that, you flip that around and you're like, hey, look, yeah, if you want to play with the price guys, yeah. go play with the price guys. They suck. They're not giving they're not delivering the, the value. Here's what I do. I'm investing in value, yeah. I'm investing in quality and be able to articulate that to them. I have found in my career First of all, that's where the money is. Yeah. Because if you're playing the price game, there's no damn margin in that. Why do that? Focus on the quality. Focus on, on the solution. Focus on the value. And you will kick ass in what seems like a competitive market. So when people tell me, oh, we're in a really yeah. competitive Oh, great. I love it. So let's turn around that shit around. Stop focusing on pushing down your price. Stop focusing on just the... The, the widget stuff, yeah. and let's get back focused on solution and building value and what it is that we do. Agree yeah. or disagree? Yeah, 100%. Understand your customer, man. Get your customer to understand what they value and solve the problem. Like, remember how we, I said the quick fix for your persona? It's the emotional thing. It's the it's emotional problem. It's the business problem. It's the intuitive problem. The intuitive problem is where the money is. The yeah. unknown problem, the thing they can't see, that's where the money is. That's what they'll pay for. Dude, you dropped sales bombs on the show today. Fire, my man. Listen, <laughs> tell people where they want when they want to get a hold of. First of all, I know you've got 
an initiative here that's coming up. You spent a lot of time creating a kick-ass yeah. system. Um, I want to make sure that we don't miss mentioning that. Can you okay. talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can do the real quick. You've heard kind of the name come up. It's called the Sales Alpha Roadmap. And what it is, it's an outbound sales system that we've put in place at just, it's a smoking kind of two offers. We'll do it with you or we'll do it for you. And it literally is soup to nuts. It's templates, it's worksheets, it's videos. It is, how do I create an outbound sales system that can double the amount of opportunities that I have coming through my sales team? And how do I have that up and running in under 30 days? Nice. It's who's, just fantastic. Who's it for? It's for businesses that sell to other businesses. And I would say this, product service, you're probably doing an excess of 2 million bucks and you have at least one dedicated rep who can make calls because we're going, we go omni-channel with this. So it's prospecting, it's cadences that are set up to make sure that we get across people on social calls, emails, video. I'll tell you, we've been working on it really, really hard. So our beta client, so to speak, just went in on it. They went from booking three appointments in the month before we got there, demos, to nine appointments in the first six days of this month. Nice. Like if you ever said to yourself, if you're a business owner who's ever said to yourself, man, I wish I could just had a process that I knew I could be confident in, that I could put my salespeople into and say, this will generate business for me. That's what the sales alpha road. So is. how do people sign up or find more information about that? The best way, because I haven't fixed the link to a cute URL yet, but there's probably a couple ways. One, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. It's Ken Lundin, L-U-N-D-I-N. So hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to the website at KenLundin.com. You can come in through my good friend, Ron L. Richards, and he knows how to get me to you. So I think I know where to track you down. Yeah, it's probably so we, Jim. Yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. So we can do all that stuff. But yeah, so it's an awesome, awesome product. If you're thinking, if, if you are a business that wants to double your revenue in the next two years then, you know, it's worth the 10-minute conversation to just see whether or not there might be a fit. Nice. Now, um, where can people, they want to contact you, they want to connect with you yeah. beyond this, just in general, or get access to this genius, this sales genius that is Ken Lundin. What's the best way for them to reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah, so KenLundin.com, um, Ken at KenLundin.com, LinkedIn. I mean, I'm on oh, all the social man, channels, man. complicated. Yeah, I'm on all the social channels. Ken at KenLundin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'm on all the social channels and... You know, heck, if you're in Lake Lanier in Atlanta, you might see Ron L and I on a boat. Just wave us down. I hope so. <laughs> Dude, I really, <laughs> I hope so, because I enjoy that. So, hey, as we're closing out, first of all, man, thanks so much for being part of this thing. You dropped fire today. This to be tremendous benefit to our audience. And that's what it's all about. It's yeah. all about the audience. Anything you want to leave people with in terms of um, just, you know, some advice, motivation, inspiration yeah. to keep it going out there because I know you have been through the gauntlet and you've come out on the other side yeah. and there are a lot of people that are going through that right now. As we're doing right. this thing post-quarantine, post all this shit, yeah. there's so many people that are going through things and yeah. um, you've been through things. What can you share with them to keep them uh, fired up? And yeah, I think probably number one, adjust your mindset. Get off your back foot and get on your front foot, right? Be aggressive, lean in, lean into the process, lean into going to get business. Because if not now, when? Right. So I'd say first thing, if you're sitting back and you feel like life's kind of kind of bumping you and you're you're on your back foot and you're a little hesitant about engaging the world, don't be, because at the end of the day, quite frankly, that's the only thing you have control over is your actions. You know, there's a Ben Bergeron's a famous CrossFit coach said there's the event, there's your response, and then there's the outcome. That guy that posted that shit about 
Black Lives Matter. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. This this guy's a coach. Um, no, right. but he said, but he said, uh, you know, you, it's the, the the event that happens plus your response equals your outcome. And truly, you have you can control your response. So I'd say right now, as we're going through this, there's everything from the business component of it to you know the social things that are going on, the George Floyd thing. All, there's all these things, but I'd say control what you can control. Get on your front foot. Take control of your life. Yeah. Don't worry about being judged for being somebody who wants to be excellent. Because sometimes that's what we, you know, we all kind of get in this thing where we're like, your friend group or whatever is pushing on you. And it's like, you know, I want to be excellent and either come along with me or not. But I think the biggest thing I'd say is adjust your mindset to one that can make a positive impact in your own world. I love it. Hey, my man, I appreciate you. Very much enjoyed having a drink with you. And with that, guys, we end like we always end. And this is your first time, so we always, and it's been a couple of, again, we're three months since our last show. We always end with, we out. And we're going to do this as a team. I used to do it myself, but now I'm like, oh, I want my guests to get in on it too. So, Well, now that you know that I like Tupac, I mean, it gives me some street cred. <laughs> well, I was a Biggie fan. I know, but, I was, <laughs> I'm, a West, but I'm a West Coast You're guy. You're a West Coast You are. <laughs> All right, guys. With that said, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, Tell your friends, man. Let them know what we're doing over here. We're bringing value to the people. And make sure you continue to rate and review us. Five stars. Five stars. Great reviews. If you don't feel like giving us five stars, have another damn drink. Then you'll feel like you're five star ready. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. And with that, my friend, we, we out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So, if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.